1: everybody welcome back to the podcast my name is robert
2: my name is sam and i'm trey
1: hey and we're the three black men hey 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 uh before we get started i want to number one thank all of our patreon subscribers uh hey y'all, are, had, real MVPs. <laughs> y'all are real mvps uh many of you have been with us Since the beginning uh, of our uh, podcast, many of you have given us encouraging words. You say, keep going. You show up for our events. So thank you. Thank you. Thank Thank you also. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you also to the listeners. Um, Mm -hmm. Hey, we have some loyal listeners. (laughs) And um, even when we don't necessarily want to do this podcast, y'all keep uh, us keeping on. (laughs) um, (laughs) i always
0: want to do this podcast though i love you i I guess i love you guys more than you love me oh
1: wow um (laughs) no comments uh i'm I'm saved (laughs) and then um, lastly i want to say where we are in our season so we've been focusing on liberation all season trying to mine out some of the depths of different topics and nuances in the liberation front And yeah, just thank you for how you all have received our different guests and the different topics. So I'm excited to get into another uh, episode with you fellas. Um, Samuel, what are we talking about today?
2: Yeah, man. So um, in the world around us, we have a a football player by the name of Michael Orr. who many of you have probably seen the movie blindside and are or the blindside and, and familiar with his story, but, uh, it, it takes a little turn. <laughs> uh, so this year he actually released a memoir and filed a petition because he found out that he was not legally adopted by the Tui's, but instead under a conservatorship since August of 2004, um, and so now he is in the process of, like, trying to overturn the conservatorship and uh, get some of those royalties that the family that allegedly adopted him uh, received from the movie um, that he, that basically would not be without him. Uh, so, yeah. Uh. Yes, there it
0: is. <laughs> there it is.
1: There it is. Go ahead, Trey.
0: Yeah, one of the things <laughs> uh, with the the details of the story, I believe the family has since released through representation that they are or or moving to terminate the conservative Yeah, which look like somebody got caught with a hand in the. All right, we'll, we'll get into that. Honestly. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's interesting, Tommy. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like there's a whole lot to mind in this story about the assumption of benevolence, particularly Mm -hmm. when these things are coded as they are racially, Um, was an an inevitable part or or, or an inescapable part of the story and the movie Mm -hmm. and what we understand of Michael Orr's story. And the uncomfortable reality is it looks like we have a case of white saviorism that
2: uh, was, might've been something much different, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, and yeah. you know what? If if you've seen the movie too, like towards the end, there's like this investigation that the SCC does and the NCAA does. That they suspect that he was, um, brought in to help Ole Miss, right? The an entire yeah, yeah, yeah. university. Uh, and there's controversies surrounding it, and what's crazy is, is like, and the, the thing that I hated most is that even after all of this, it turned out to be true. And in that movie, they made a the black woman <laughs> look crazy, uh, for insinuating that, like, bro, like, this is really happening. Mm-hmm. And I think, even like, just speaking to that, but even more so, what I can relate to in that is, is there especially in the South, I can't really speak for up north because I live in the South, but in in the Bible Belt and what we call the Bible Belt, I feel like there is this, um. there's this desire to, um, the South has always been about the, the, the Southern Belt, this prestigious uh, Southern people. They have these um, personalities. They have this uh, reputation for being good people, Right. Even if we look at like how the evangelical church kind of started, got into politics, it became about being a good person and broadcasting that and appearing that way. Uh, and 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 I think, I don't know if y'all can relate, but like in, in my life, I've definitely had uh, those Southern folks try to son me in a sense, whereas almost as if they, uh, especially when folks find out like, oh, well, your mom passed away. Like, oh, my God, I just call me mama. No, 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 no. I don't need I don't need I don't need that. Yeah. um yeah <laughs> yo as you were saying th- that I'm sorry go ahead Rob go ahead
1: yeah I think for me I want to back up a second and say how the story hit me when I first heard it because I am someone that maybe like many of the viewers mm-hmm. I and listeners specifically like I I mean you're only viewing if you're watching this on Patreon
2: <laughs> um okay right. so a little you
1: know shout out to a plug you know, plug. <laughs> But I didn't watch that movie. I know it's a critically acclaimed movie. And I know, you know, everyone's like, we all watch The Blind Side, not me. But um, this story hit me as I was reading it recently uh, with Michael Orr and him expressing his feelings of feeling that uh, being taken in was one thing and it was really another, right? And him being confused of the difference between conservatorship and adoption and being led to believe that they were roughly the same thing. And I've seen this commentary online that he should have known. And I really was thinking about what it must've been like to be a young man who was troubled, who thought he was coming to this place of refuge and safety. And these white saviors took him in and he was giving them the benefit of the doubt that the information that was being told to him was coming from a reputable source was only for his best interest. And as I read uh, his complaint and his allegations, there started to be this rage that boiled up uh, day after day. And it's still here, right? Like, because to your point, Sam, I've experienced some of that white uh, beneficence, but there was a string attached, right? And mostly in the church and oh, we're going to give you this and yeah. I'm thinking, wow, this is just incredible. Yeah. only to find out that there were expectations that were that were were not stated. Um. Oh, you're going to help lead in the church in this way because mm-hmm. I did this. Oh, I'm inviting you to my house every week yes. um, because you're a troubled black young man. And that means X. And so, you know, Trey started the, the top of the show talking about that white saviorism. And I think that that really has unlocked levels of rage that I thought I had dealt with in therapy and prayer, but it's here. (laughs) So I just want to say that for people who, um, this may have unlocked some things. um, And I I want to say also that saviorism shows up in uh, conservative spaces and liberal spaces and they manifest in two different ways with the same root. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think it's interesting, Sam, particularly as you were talking about the fact that, uh, well, like people were saying he should have known and everything, One of the things I find interesting is that, yes, he was 18 when he signed a conservatorship, but the word teen is literally in the word. He was was a teenager, right? Like his prefrontal cortex didn't finish developing for almost another decade at that point. He's still mentally, in some ways, a child, although physically he was a very imposing or appeared to be a, a man at the end of the day, it is still just as predatory, right? Like the same, we got mm-hmm. the government yeah. handing out multi-thousand dollar loans to 17-year-olds and it's like, well, you should have known better when you signed on. Like, wait a second, we don't let those people vote yet. <laughs> but, you know, um, no, no, yeah. we know we know that's, that's still developing, right? But the other aspect of this is that there is nothing inherently wrong with developing or choosing familial bonds. That is something mm-hmm. that is common up- Across many cultures, right, but the way that that manifests is inherently different, right? So, I know I had friends growing up where we would call each other's mothers "mama," right? Like that was Mama Smith, that was Mama Williams, that 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 was whatever. And then a lot of times, if that wasn't the case, we would call them "auntie," right? And there was always an understanding that although this person has the status of a matriarch in some realm like this is still my mother here this is family extended this is extended yeah yeah and what that does is it helps clarify some of the boundaries now this is something all the way different like no we are now your family we are your mother and father we are that was how this was presented clearly according to his testimony when he thought that this was equivalent to an adoption and i think one of the things that happens is when we prioritize the nuclear family as the locus of all like, healthy development and everything, mm-hmm. we lose the ability to relate in healthy ways mm-hmm. that, that do not center yeah. that. Because yeah. I I are we still in this place if, if they're like, oh, wow, you need help and we will help you because it's the right thing to do? Yes. As opposed to, we will you help were-
2: you because you are our son. <laughs> Yes. yes yeah I, you know what M- many times in my life I've I've like <laughs> had people be like oh I want to help you because you remind me of my son or you're like my and I'm like would you help me if I w- didn't like if if you didn't feel that because f- I don't feel that bond
0: <laughs> you right do right? so not like my parents I yeah. don't
2: at yeah. all right like I don't feel like that so don't feel disrespected if I don't you, you get what I'm saying I think there is it's (laughs) uh it's and and like i keep bringing it back to the south because i live in the south and i i really feel like this is i don't like i i've experienced this more from like white women who mean well right they might they may mean well but especially like in church um we've had situations where like maybe we were sort of struggling financially and because i'm involved in the church instead like and mind you these are wealthy people they would I mean and we were grateful right they would like to just invite us over for Sunday dinner mm-hmm. but like invite us to this like 2.5 million dollar house <laughs> and with marble everywhere to have dinner yeah and try to build this familial bond and when I sort of like cast off those like restraints to be like no this is not what I, this is not the bond that I'm feeling. Right. Like then there's a problem. And mm. now the help ain't there. Yeah. Right. And I, I have a problem with authority also.
1: Yeah. This, yeah. <laughs> this yeah. <is> how I, <laughs> um, I also, so as I'm listening to it, <laughs> um, that's another podcast there. You feel me? <laughs> um, There's two things I'm hearing in what both of you are saying. One, it's the adultification of Black boys. Mm. And, you know, we see that across our culture in general, where recently in the news, there was, I think, a 12-year-old who was taking out the trash, who was, uh, the police picked him up (laughs) because he looked like a, a grown man suspect. This is a boy. And they just, you know, cuffed him. <laughs> I'm imagine you just take it out the trash for the family, and you you know you get picked
2: Easy. up. Uh, <laughs> What's your name? Yeah, exactly your behind your back,
1: and not even given the respect and the protection that a boy yeah. deserves in our society, right? But seen as a black man in the way that we talk about young black boys, it is is as if they don't deserve to be protected. Because to your point, Trey. He was big and imposing. And um, that means something in our culture. Black male bodies don't deserve protection in that way. Um, And then also, I'm thinking about this uh, aspect of familial bonds aren't inherently bad, but what happens when the end goal of those bonds is not wholeness, thriving, Mm -hmm. and protection? Right. Right? Because if they were willing to take him in no matter what, and say you get to exist here and the the primary goal here is your best interest, your well-being, your thriving, your wholeness is something Trey likes to talk about. Like that is the full focus. A conservatorship, even though their viewpoint was we want to protect you from being taken advantage of, what it feels like has happened is... We actually want to take advantage of you first. Um, so yeah. <laughs> right. So like part of these proceeds have to go through us. Um, they have undoubtedly made money and connections off of yeah. their child. And we have to look at that. Why was why was the first place this boy uh, was taken advantage of? again in his life, retaken Mm -hmm. advantage of, was in a familial situation.
0: Yeah, and I think even as we're talking about that, like the difference between a conservatorship and adoptions there, there's plenty of them and it's a complex situation but one of the things that this familial and kinship network does one of the things that <laughs> the reasons that, that is important is because it helps determine your inheritance right mm-hmm. so when you say we take you in i think they literally yes. meant it in in, in 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 a different sort of way like we're, we're taking what you can bring to the table but at the end of the day as he found out jarringly like no he does not have the same rights as the people that he assumed were his mm-hmm. brother and sister like if. The 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 twoies were the the parents were were to pass away right now. Like he doesn't get anything. He's not right. entitled to any. I mean, unless he was written into the will or whatever, which is possible. But absent that, like what a like, actual kinship dub does, does is it means that you have an inheritance there in a way that extended family or or non formal family would not. And I think that that's actually a microcosm of something that we see happening in society at large where black people were a part of America and were taken into America and were leaned on for their production and Mm. building of America without being granted full citizenship, right? (laughs) Without being granted full, full rights. And in the process of doing that, Eventually, people like to laud and pat America on the back for writing those wrongs. We, we passed legislation. We did all of that. Yeah. But yeah. now when Black people try to lean into the heritage, oh, oh, so can we get some of those government programs that y'all leaned on to build a middle class? What? No, putting stuff up by your bootstraps. Wait a second. No, that's not how it worked for the, the children of this country. That's not how it worked for the the, the citizens mm-hmm. of this country. Can yeah. can we get some of that? And all of a sudden, it's, it's no, no, no. And affirmative action is wrong. Like, Wait, but was it affirmative action when government land grants built a middle class and the agrarian class in the the midwest and all of those things this doesn't make any sense and understanding the difference between the rights that a a child that is viewed rightfully by the the parents or the patriarchs or the the patrons of a society the difference between that and people who are taken in for whatever Mm -hmm. they can bring to the table actually gives us a different lens to, to which to view this story and the whole complex of white saviorism
1: yeah what's funny is you making that connection from you know this story that we're talking about and and family, kinship, inheritance to black people in America, I I think of the idea of gratitude mm-hmm. uh and how I've seen that commentary come up, one uh about Michael <laughs> and about black people in society. So even though we have been taken in to some degree, um under duress, um <laughs> <under, laughs> <under>, mm-hmm. duress. <laughs> Um, we should be grateful that we're here. We should be grateful that we have the opportunity. Florida is teaching that there's material benefit. Uh, There's a net benefit for Black people in America here. that They're they're redeeming qualities to slavery. They're redeeming qualities to be taken in um, into this uh, beneficent society um, that we get to build largely for free without an inheritance. And and here's how you know thriving isn't the end goal. Is because even the mere suggestion of inheritance incites this anger, rage, and violent yeah. violence that, to me, is demonic. I'm quick to call something demonic, yo. I'm Pentecostal, so yeah. <laughs> uh, that's a spirit. That's right. And you notice it in other ways. You know, you notice in other adoptees. Mm-hmm. Um, when Cap was kneeling, people said, "Oh, if he hates America so much, then he should forsake his white parents. He should be grateful." um what america why is it that when i do something for you if i if wholeness was the the point if if your well-being was the point that any type of act that you do well you're not grateful i gave Mm -hmm. it to you why are you throwing that back in my face though
0: (laughs) yeah 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 that's really real And that's a whole lot to chew on in terms of this story and in terms of the story arc of of America, so much so that I think we give people a moment to breathe on that real quick during this quick commercial break before we resume on the other side. Before Sam, Rob, and myself were podcast co-hosts, we were friends. This podcast grew out of a friendship. And honestly, it's grown into something more of a podcast. It's now a community. You can take part in that community at patreon.com slash three black men all the way spelled out and in that community you'll get early access to episodes bonus content like writings videos even some live conversations that you can take part in in the event that you'd like to support us but aren't ready to commit to patreon yet you can submit a one-time gift via paypal where you'll find us at three black at gmail.com however you choose to support we're thankful that you did let's get back to the show
2: we are back from our break, y'all. Man, this, this conversation is so rich, man. If if you if you if you was listening before we took this quick break, Trey just brought in this and 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 made it so plain about how uh the 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 commodification of black black bodies, right? We we want to make it we, to make money off of we commodifying black bodies in the history of America. And this family brought this teenage child in under a familial bond and basically commodified a black body all over again. Trey, what you got?
0: Yeah. It was really interesting in the way that this was framed when the Tui family, Sean and Leanne Tui finally responded in the press. And one of the things they said was that this was a shakedown and that Michael Orr had every, that he received every penny that he had coming to him which was interesting. not shakedown <laughs> right. which was interesting and that's not typically the way that most people would talk about their children or people that mm. view as children talking about you have every penny that you have coming to you because at the end of the day like they also said why would we need to exploit him if we were already wealthy by that point as if the presence of wealth was ever enough to stop wealthy people from exploiting more people but that's neither here nor there because three yeah, but when, when they said that, oh, you have every you you got every penny you had coming to you, that, that's not typically how we talk about the children who in theory, whatever wealth or estate that we are building is mm-hmm. for the sake of leaving to those children. What do you mean you got every penny? And that was kind of a revealing statement to me and and honestly also reflective of this macro narrative that, that's now associated in my head of the story of black people in America where when we ask them more, like nope you 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 got everything you had coming to you if you want more you got to go and get more I'm like oh so we don't get any of mm. the fruit that, that that the children get that, oh oh okay you know <laughs> mm.
1: yeah I cool I have somebody to say that but so yeah. I I I'll have to have my own uh, monologue about that um <laughs> but mm. I and thinking about this commodification and what children deserve, what what people deserve, I I want to highlight this white saviorism piece because I don't want to mm. get out of here before we we hunker down. Speak on a, it. Can't I leave want, for the benediction. Don't leave exactly benediction. <laughs> don't leave. And I, and I want that spirit of conviction to be heavy in this place. <laughs> oh, <by Shatai>. <laughs> <laughs> so how. Uh, you know and not just analyzing this situation but in general how do you all see white saviorism manifest in in different ways? yeah
0: i feel as though sorry that was a long that was a long pause right here sorry <laughs> okay <laughs> take, your time, question, take, your, yeah. take
1: your time baby take your time <laughs>
0: that guy use you I have been fortunate enough to be surrounded by proud, strong black people in community for the majority of my life, right? And one of the things that white saviorism does is look for opportunities where that is not necessarily the case and try to capitalize, right? The Michael Tui, I mean, the Michael Tui route, the Michael Orr story does not occur if he's not, or we don't know if it occurs if he's not bouncing around the foster care system for the majority or the entirety of his childhood. When black people are viewed as broken in need of of saving in, in a way that most people from, from most socioeconomic classes and social locations would agree upon, that creates a vacuum where all of a sudden the the, the dream of of uh, Sorry, I'm, I'm projecting at this point, but the, the, the dream of assimilation of, of of creating this this perfect product and see anybody can do it. it becomes more realistic when you have what what appears to be a blank slate. I right. oh, so much so that when the movie came out, they're portraying this guy as like oh he didn't know how to use a bed and, and stuff like that. Like are you kidding me? What, what? And they made the boy, uh, or they made Michael Orr look as as if he were almost developmentally impaired when. That's never been the case, even in the book that the movie was based off of. They said that, yes, he was academically challenged because he kept moving around and was not put in the right settings. But that he was always a very sharp kid. And that much was evidenced the moment that he got in a state in a steady school setting. And he was on the dean's list at Ole Miss. He changed his major away from the, the, the criminal justice major that most uh, of, of the athletes on the football team at the school had and, and answered in journalism, I can't even remember at this point. But basically, the way that white saviorism manifests is taking somebody who has a story, in part, rewriting that story or doing what they need to, to, to
1: mm-hmm. yeah,
0: to sure. to create this story arc where now there, there's a happily ever after that happens because of my intervention, right?
1: Oh yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um,
0: white saviorism demands that white people get to be the heroes in the story, and it happens in a way that actually minimizes the full story arc and the agency of the black people that were supposedly oh, yeah. saved
1: mm, that's good that's good Sam what you got brother I'm rocking because I've I, my thoughts are stirring <laughs> <laughs> yeah
2: I I typically um the way I see it play out is when there's something in it for the white savior if it's not beneficial um and i'm gonna use some names because all of these stories seem a little suspect to me um matter of fact i won't use names uh but there's a prominent i'm not um, trying to get canceled yet i still got There's but there's a there's a (laughs) there's a prominent um black woman geminist um not simone biles um that also has adoptive white parents um there is a prominent basketball player that lives down by Trey that also has adoptive white parents. I ain't going to say his name, but it rhymes with Bemi Jutler. <laughs> um, And all of these stories are like, um, I don't know, I don't know the detail of, of like how they become introduced, but it just seems so strange to me that so many prominent black athletes um, where. Whether they be whether they become major players in the sport that they are in currently now uh, as professional athletes or whether they become college or, or 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 some there just seems to be some sort of benefit like some sort of benefactor for these different white saviors, whether to be conservative liberal you know what i'm saying um and so i that's typically how i see it. if you have some sort of skill that would be beneficial if you have some sort of talent that would be beneficial um that they could uh some you know give you some sort of stability so that you can hone in on it um it there that just seems to be like a window into it yeah. Um and that it, for me is is a bit heartbreaking because yeah, that's it, yeah.
1: Yeah, I I think when I you know to your point what you were just talking about Sam you see that in churches where we have a black worship leader and um you know like look, you know, but that that's that's giving material benefit to your church i have you a know,
2: black
1: friend right no and it's like we have a black person on staff but it's this is a token this is a caricature right but this is helping your promotion this isn't you have a yeah. black um character in your cast and you're centering around them no you're still the savior um and um in those story the stories that come from that center you center you the white savior and i want to say i want to focus on the the liberal aspect of it the progressive mm-hmm. aspect because i feel like if you've been following us by now you know we we don't pull punches with the conservatives you know uh <laughs> we came out of that space mm-hmm. and uh one of us went to a very conservative uh college um for a bit uh <laughs> and uh the the mean, conservative, um, so it only it was only
0: <laughs> it was only one of us who ever went no, to a conservative. Wait, wait, don't get defensive,
1: okay. brother. My okay. brother. Whoa, it was only one. <laughs> That's it a spirit. No way. So I don't, I, I don't care who does it. I don't care if it's a white person, just enjoy the shade. Just enjoy care. the shade. I don't care if it's a
0: white person, a black person, a polka dot person. Somebody need to save you, Rob. Somebody, oh somebody, save you.
1: somebody. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I think. But how it manifests in progressive spaces is a lot uh, more insidious and misleading. And I think uh, we don't often, um, as a society, really punch back on that. <laughs> and so I I would say how it manifests in progressive spaces, whether they're faith-based or not, is this ability to be so... Um, championing of the rights of marginalized people that you're willing to obscure their story to almost tell the people what they need and and you are so champion. okay so i've been in spaces where i've been the only black person in a progressive space and people are talking about what black people need and they're not even asking me a question and i'm thinking well how do you know <laughs> like how do you how, how how have you figured it out? And the arrogance that you have to have to assume what black people need uh, is wild. And I had this professor in seminary, and her words have really stuck with me. Her name is uh, Dr. Chapman Lape, and she said, "When we're trying to help someone, we're advocating for someone. When we're walking alongside, then we have to let them speak for themselves." Yes, We have to, that is our advocacy work. We, our voice is not to be louder than theirs. We are supposed to let people speak for themselves to say what they need. We are not to insert and assert our viewpoint upon them. And so my job as an attendant of the week is to not take their place. It's to really help bolster them to the point where they can speak for themselves. the last thing- Go ahead. Yeah, Go if ahead.
0: we if we hear from you as, as an attendant to the week, uh, then then it, it better be an echo, right? <laughs> 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 unless <laughs> unless their voices are not in the room. And then you can say, well, I heard from X, Y, Z. But yeah, that, that's how that goes. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Rob.
1: No, yes. that's good. Because there's this assumption that because we have presumed them to be weak, that they don't have a voice. Right. And we say, oh, we're going to be a voice to the voiceless. No, the voiceless, they do have a voice. We need to hear it. We need to experience it. We need to sit with things. And I think this even shows up in white friendships. And this is something that I've attended to in all of my white friendships. And I will say, don't let my weaknesses be something that is taken advantage of. You might have more clout. You might have more money. I don't want there to ever be a power imbalance in these bonds of love, right? Even if you're giving to me, if you're like, Hey Robert, I'll give you fifty dollars. I'll give you hundred dollars. Don't let my weaknesses be something you're taking advantage of. I don't owe you because of that. Right.
0: <laughs> Go you're... Oh, you got to hit that button, buddy.
2: Come on, I'm muted. Like I'm a. This I just want to say this, man. Like, I, I like what you just said, Rob, because what I don't, what I hate, and I and I always say like this is like cap- capitalism is just so evil. It is demonic and in this way because it allows stuff like it allows stuff like a conservatorship and and you can paint yourself as like the best person in the world oh we took we helped them we took them in we gave them a place to stay we put them in a good school district at what cost right like when when he decided to think for himself what was your response right like and, and not even just specifically this situation, like in whatever situation, when this when this individual decides to choose agency and decides to choose themselves and realize that you, for whatever reason and say, you know what, like this really ain't, I'm not, this don't seem like the familiar bond that y'all got. Yeah. Right? So mm, maybe I should just stay on the outside where I'm at. But in the meantime, go ahead and run that check. <laughs> the um, proper
1: response to that though would be, okay I'm still gonna love and support you that's how you know that's the litmus test
2: right that part and so and when and when and when and and when and to fix your mouth like this like Steve Steve said to to say oh well he got every dime that he would get he had every dime that he had coming to him I within reason there you cannot be good enough to people mm. right like um, one of, I have controversial, I'm happy 11 years married. I have controversial views on marriage because everybody can't, marriage ain't for everybody. But I always say, if marriage is not for you, be good to people. If you mm-hmm. choose to just be good to people, it, it takes nothing just to be good to people. And to, to, to put stipulations, to take advantage of people that you see are in an oppressed position or in a weaker position, um and to play on their ignorance of what they don't know and using a position of power, no matter what they may be from a liberal or conservative view, to you know do something like that, right? To 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 paint yourself as the savior, man, that's just Yeah. I don't think very highly of you. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> it that's
0: always the interesting part of me, Sam. So your point, like thinking of yourself as a savior and everything. And then Rob, in particular, when you're talking about how it manifests in progressive spaces, it's easy to identify in conservative spaces, right? It's loud. But if you're a progressive-minded person right now, you're getting nervous, like, well, oh, how do I know? If I'm if I'm perpetuating this, yeah. here, here's one of the biggest tells for me, right? In a lot of these spaces, when People are justice minded and they, they want to uphold the rights of the marginalized and everything. There's this concept of allyship. Hmm. And there are times when Eww. I am calling <laughs> a harmful behavior or statement or, or attitude to the forefront and somebody will defensively tell me like, hey, I'm an ally. In my mom like, okay, automatically right now, the moment you tell me that, I feel something going on here because <laughs> it's not your job to tell me that. It's my job to tell you that. It's it's my job to tell you that you're an ally. You don't like, you don't you don't get it, and I don't say that like, oh, it's, I'm I'm a representative of, of black people everywhere. No, that's that's not what I'm saying here. What I'm saying is if I'm calling out something harmful or, or bad or detrimental to my safety right now, and you defensively tell me that you're an ally. You're automatically in that moment not being an ally. Because what I'm yep. telling you is this right now, what we're talking about is not is not helpful nor conducive to my wholeness. And you can't hear that, then you're not being an ally. And allyship is not a label that I, I, I'm... I don't think we should take that on for ourselves cuz even other communities or whatever people have called me an ally cool I don't know that often scares me because there there are times and even as an, uh, uh, an aspiring ally I'm going to drop the ball I will never introduce myself as an ally that's your job to recognize in me.
1: Yeah because allyship is an ethic a way of being yes. something that grounds me right and I like that you said aspiring ally Right. And one of the ways it does manifest in these uh, liberal spaces, I have experienced it. I've experienced it a lot this year, and I'm actually really singed, if if I were to be quite honest, um, with white allies, because I've experienced people that I thought were well-meaning, well-intentioned. They're the people that yeah. they give black people a couple of dollars in the cash app on Juneteenth. They buy you a little coffee you didn't expect. They hit your cash app. They're like, hey, I love black people. I love God and I love black people. And you're like, okay, you've got cool whatever, you know? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you know I'm almost going to put a ring on it. It's kind of dope, you know? But I've seen that defensiveness manifest when I have tried to pull some of them to the side and say, hey, what you posted was hurtful. Hey, mm-hmm. what you posted made me feel like this. And as a black person, that... And the type of defensiveness that can come out is shocking when the person that you were previously wanted to put a rig on it are like, um, uh, I talk to other black people and other black people don't have a problem with it. I talk to blah, blah, blah. And what's sad is it's been more than one time that this has happened.
0: Yeah. yeah,
1: And people- With some of
0: y'all favorites out there. Yeah.
1: some And Ooh. lesser known people too. And the, that's the, the clincher is- so I, t- I i text my black friend they said they're cool with it they don't why is black that are... is it mm. and i re- i really want people to sit with just really sit with that if your wife tells you your partner tells you what you did was hurtful do you take a poll of other wives to mm-hmm. say well babe hey actually talked to all of my other wife friends they said it's actually pretty cool um Y'all tell me how that works out in y'all relationship. Um, They're actually, um, survey says, everybody's <laughs> cool with it except you. So I don't want to say anything. So the problem might be you.
2: Baby. Yeah, that ain't <gasps> like over well.
1: Yeah, because why? Because the injury took place in this particular place. Yeah. And it's not for you to run to other black because per- you need to listen to this black person. Mm-hmm. And that shows that to you, I am not a human. And white saviorism is inherently dehumanizing, and that is the sin that it perpetuates. Mm -hmm. Because what you have, all of your allyship has been built around ideals Mm. and things that you aspire to without ever having to confront the realities of humans.
2: man. I Mm. hate it.
1: I'm sorry. I'm really (laughs) sinned from that this year. Like, I... I have this rated, woo, this made me emotional. I I think it's because all of these things that have happened since the start of the pandemic, all the little Black squares, all Uh the little DEI, all of those things, all the little... uh, I'm so sad for your experience as a Black person in society. I'm looking for what is the fruit that is popping up.
2: Yeah, and you know what? I feel like, too, when... All of the aspiring allies came out <laughs> three or four years ago when we first locked down. Um, it's quickly to see how life moved on and their applications for allies were. They just just, just like yo, they're know,
1: tired, Sam. Sam, they discard. did that. They they we're trying to do a new thing.
2: Well, I wish you would be a new person right <laughs> i wish you would be new person and love people better um yeah. like you know what i'm saying like god makes all things new why are you not new <laughs> and i mean i'm just saying be washed in the blood of the lamb and repent for your sins um because it's i agree with you rob it's exhausting and one of the things that i like i want to i try not i I try not to be a helicopter parent but one of the things that i, I absolutely with ferocity guard my kids from are uh the people that would try to take on that type of um familiar role and it not be genuine um and i know i cannot protect my kids from everything right um but you know we've seen a few things and uh i don't have a problem not bringing my kids around folks uh adults uh you know what i'm saying i don't have a problem keeping my kids from people that i feel like would do that uh if i'm gonna be honest it uh if you are listening and you have met my kids i love you and you are blessed because i don't bring my family to everyone because um I I just I really don't trust a lot of people. Um, with the people that I love, yeah. um, uh, and that and and that just it the world is crazy. Um, like we see the situation every day. People paint themselves as like I really just have the best. I have your best interest. No, you have your own best interests. You don't have their best interests. Um, and so yeah, I think
0: ultimately what it boils down to, and the and the ultimate problem with white saviorism is that you cannot save somebody from the systems and situations that you are actively participating in. Yes. right. And so even (laughs) when we look at somebody might be in a distressed situation or whatever, that that situation didn't get distressed on its own. It's it's a Mm. compound matrix of situations and factors. And as long as we're still, uh, reaping the benefits of those matrices and situations, we we do not have the power to save anybody from that. And so long as we ignore that very real fact, so we will continue having white saviors and white messiahs uh, pretending to save people only to find out that they've just been drawn deeper into the matrix, uh, just in a different position, right? And uh, we're not capable of being saviors, or allies until and unless we even be begin doing the work of divesting from the situations that that created the situations yeah. that people need to save them from. Yeah, And I, I, I mean, think this this is the world around this podcast, not a theology podcast. But I could take it somewhere on another episode.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I yeah, I think that's a good place to stop we we can continue the conversation especially on patreon another
0: patreon.com slash <laughs> three black men
1: hey co on so no it's been a pleasure to be at the table with y'all to talk about michael or white saviorism and divesting right so yeah. bless y'all
0: We appreciate you rocking with us for another episode of Three Black Men. Here's the part of the show where we ask a favor from you. Now earlier I mentioned a couple of ways that you can support us by joining our community over at patreon.com slash three black men, we have multi-tiered support options and you can get bonus content. If you don't want to do that, you can submit a one-time contribution by finding us on PayPal at three podcast at gmail.com. But we ain't here to tap your pockets. Here's a few ways that you can help us out without spending a single dime. You can stop what you're doing right here, right now, and make sure that you've left us a review and a rating. Don't just give us the five stars. Go ahead and write out how much you love this show and tell everybody about it. Do it on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're at. Make sure you leave that rating and a review, and that's going to help even more people join the fun over here. Thank you so much. I knew God loved you for some reason.